0: to thank you for being uh, here this morning getting up out of bed and coming to be live with us and then of course can we clap for all of our online family thank you for being with us we love you so much and we're so grateful that you would join us here today and um, we are um, just excited as well about our Mansfield campus actually Pastor Jonathan and Miss Marta they're preaching at another church today so Mimi and Pop are preaching at the uh, Mansfield campus right so don't get up no 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 you stay don't get up and leave drive over there And, uh, and so we have been in a series titled what is love turn to the person next to you and say what is love tell them ask them what is it what is it right so we have been on this journey what is it is it a feeling is it uh is is it sexual pleasure uh, and i have pushed forward the thought process that um i believe we are living in a time where love is very confused we don't really know what it is it's you, you you our young people are definitely confused about it so i think we should pump the brakes let's we've been diving into what does the word of god say and so our first week that we started with was out of 1 corinthians 13 where the apostle paul basically gives us the ingredients of love love is patient love is kind love is gentle and then last week we went into part two and that is um we studied dr les Perot's book parrot excuse me book, and he had these five ways that jesus modeled love and we really studied into those they were magnificent in fact um, our team our pastoral team and our leadership they put together Um, A little bit of resources for you, if you throw the QR code back up. And these, um, you can pull your phone out and check this QR code, and we give you a list of resources that we as a team kind of have been ministered to, uh, through these resources. There's some books there, there's some video series and our team says that they're really good. I've, I've read through some of them, not all of them, so if they're anything heretical, just blame it on the team. It's not my fault. I, I didn't, know I'm just kidding. And so, but today uh, we're going to make a little bit of shift and we're going to be talking about what is love in the context of a Christian marriage. And so this is going to be huge for anyone single. You need to be taking notes because I'll tell you, I went to multiple marriage conferences as a single man because I wanted to do it right. Come on, somebody say right. And then those of you that are married or want to be married or could be married or still married, uh, we're believing, Jamie and I today, that some of the things that we share with you are really changed your life. We have been married now for 30 years. That's right. Started when we were five. So there you go, forever frozen at 35. And uh, and over these 30 years of pastoring And being married we have learned a few things and uh, and what we found a lot in in most of the marriage counseling that we've done even in our own life that most of the problems that we're really having and you can statistically analyze everything but it really comes down to bad habits it really does and so we want to take some time today and just really help you change some habits by pointing out healthy habits that we have learned from great men and women of God, from the Word of God, and then, of course, you know, just in our own development.
1: Good morning. I am so excited to get to be a part of this this morning. Doesn't PA look so cool in his hat? I love that baseball cap. It's the greatest. You know, whatever um, our heart and hope this morning is that you're able to grab nuggets, whatever season of life that you're in. That you're able to, we can support not only building our own marriages, but building the marriages of those around us. And that may be imparting into a younger generation healthy habits. That may be just supporting a friend and all those different things. So, so this morning, I just want to encourage you. This is not a moment for you to feel that you're judged or insufficient, or to reflect on all the things that you're not doing well. Yeah. We can leave those moments feeling like like we've just feeling almost defeated overwhelmed but definitely overwhelmed so if today is not the best day of the relationships in your life that means that god has your best days ahead and best days planned and so whatever stage of life we're in we have to know and we have to hold on to hope that god has better, and best days ahead. Amen? So I'm excited as we apply these principles to our lives and see what God, what God does. Uh,
0: some friends of our, our family was telling us recently they were at a marriage conference or a marriage night at a, at a very large church, and the minister uh, had a show of hands. He said, how many of you guys really love your spouse? And overwhelmingly, everyone lifted their hand. And then he said, now how many of you love your marriage? And hardly anyone raised their hand in the Christian environment. And the reason I bring that out to you today is because there is her, there is Jamie, there is Adam, but then there's our marriage. It's almost like a third entity if you will. And cultivating a marriage, building a marriage like building a house. And that's really where most people I think probably miss this piece that like I love her, she loves me but there's this thing that we coexist together called marriage and how to build that and how to strengthen that how to protect that and so over the years the habits that we've learned through the scriptures we want to share with you today so pull out something to take notes on you guys that are online throw us some you know clap hands in the chat box but let me start with number one the first habit that we've learned to always do and never do if you will number one never yell at each other unless the house is on fire And I stole that from Frida Lindsay, the co-founder of Christ for the Nations, uh, who who had been married for all those years and was, you know, just a great woman of faith. And uh, I heard her say that years ago in her 90s. She said, you know, you should never, married people should never yell at each other unless the house is on fire. And I just thought, I'm going to remember that. And uh, I pray that your house is never on fire. Proverbs 15.1 A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Yelling... Is threatening, it just is, and yelling produces one of two responses either you produce a, a response of fear in the other person, or you are a response of anger like, I, you, you, I dare you, don't, are you yelling at me right now? Rage, anger stirs up in that moment, and uh, and in fact, research has proven that when someone is being yelled at they either are triggered by fear or anger and when your brain is in either fear or anger mode you cannot think logically so you're you're yelling at each other is actually defeating the purpose that you're trying to accomplish you're trying to get them to understand you're trying to get help them understand the, the passion by which they hurt you or way this thing has intimidated you or has humiliated you but you're actually accomplishing the opposite by yelling and that's why every week here we talk about we talk about life and death is in the power of the tongue and some of you even thinking about how much you've been yelled at or how much you yell and you think that's the only way I'll never forget one time I was at at a school doing a a little piece at a school and as the kids were walking and some of them were acting you know kind of stupid high school you know and this teacher started yelling and cussing them up one side and down the other and I finally walked over to her and I said hey I don't think all that's needed and she goes that's the only language they understand is if I yell at them And I'm like, no, actually, I think what they've done is now cut you off. And they're not listening to a word of what you're saying because of your approach. And you think it's working, but it's really not. So yelling really doesn't work. In fact, let me give you some of the results of yelling. Just jot these down. First off, it leaves both of you feeling awful by the end of it. It absolutely does. It closes off communication. Uh, it, it, It distorts what love really is. It distorts love. You think, well, that's not real love, is it? Or that, I just, I'm just doing this because I love. Actually, it's distort. It infantizes your spouse. You're trying to make, it literally makes them feel like a child if you're going to yell at them. I'm a grown adult. Don't talk to me like that. You've probably heard those statements. And then um, more than likely what happens when you're yelling is you say things that you never really meant to say. And let me just encourage you. If this is a habit that you developed, you can change it. Right. Because let me tell you something about habits. Habits are the result of doing something over and over again. And do you know how you change a habit or formulate a new habit? By doing the opposite thing every day for 30 days, you'll develop a habit. For those of you who have been reading the word with us every day, you've been going through your Bible app, reading the word, that's now starting to become a habit. We've been doing it 50 days. Today's our 50th day to read the word together. And it just, as we read the word, it becomes a habit. And so you wake up the next day, oh, I got to read the word. It becomes a habit. You want to change a bad habit, do the opposite of it every day for 30 days and you'll change a habit. Brings us to number two. So good.
1: Number two, he- healthy habits that we can develop. Number two, live a shared purpose. It's always fascinating to me that God took two completely different individuals from a cle- completely different backgrounds, and made them one and put them together and begin to say, okay, figure out life together. One of the key elements to doing that is living a shared purpose. It's knowing that God has called you together for a purpose and a destiny and a plan. Now, it wasn't happenstance. It wasn't just a matter of choices that got you there, that God put you together. I love this. It's a super glue. Ecclesiastes 4 says this in the living, verse 9, Two can accomplish more than twice as much as one. I'll say that again. Two can accomplish more than twice as much as one, for the results can be much better. If one falls, the other pulls him up, but if a man falls when he is alone, he is in trouble. Also in a cold night, two under the same blanket, game warmth. isn't it fun to snuggle? I love to snuggle. But how can we keep warm alone? And I love this, verse 12, One standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three is even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. A strong marriage with Jesus woven into every bit of what we do is the strongest marriage that you can have. Many times when people get married, they begin to focus on each other, and they think it's only about each other. What I love about Ecclesiastes is it says two standing back to back. Because when you're standing back to back, exactly, you can take on anything that comes your way. And because you've got each other's back in those situations. For us, a shared purpose has always been to win souls and make disciples. So when we went through hard things together, we knew that God had a plan, that God had a purpose. It wasn't just an accident that we were together. And even when we disagree, which is daily, right, any married couple, right, daily, We know that we agree on why. We agree on why God has us here on this earth and why we're together. There comes a moment where you have to almost believe, it feels like it's romanticized, but believe that your spouse needs you and can't fulfill the purposes of God without you. Because God made you one. And so when we realize that we are indispensable to each other, we begin to look for ways to help our spouse actually fulfill the call of God that is on their lives. Yeah,
0: Jamie doesn't live her purpose and I live my purpose and we come home and have dinner together. We live a shared purpose. Whatever she's doing, whatever I'm doing, it all cultivates to the same goal, the same purpose. I was thinking about the Richardsons that are sitting back there, uh, Jamal and and uh, Jadorian. They, uh, They come together on Sundays and run our sound and our video. They sit in the sound booth. He runs audio, she runs all the video stuff that's happening on the screens behind us. Their daughter's sitting there on her iPad. They're doing it together. They are sharing a purpose. There, she's, not, she, she's like, I'm with you. He's like, I'm with you. And it's funny to even watch him interact sometimes because she'd be tightening him up back there like you need to get that right now. And, uh, and he's like, girl, friend, hold up. I got the. It is so fun. And I told him, I said, I'm going to talk about y'all today. And they said, if you do, we're going to dip down under the, where you can't see us back. Can't even see him. Look at him shining back there. But I love you guys so much. And they really exude that a shared purpose. Because they've got jobs and they've got things that they're involved in, and uh, but they bring it all together to serve their church on Sundays. That's a shared purpose of the. And they it's have. so
1: important that that shared purpose is not your own selfish happiness. Amen. Right. It's, it's, it's proven over and over again that when you have a cause, when you have something bigger than yourselves that you live for, it's how well, you can be whether it's inside a marriage or not inside a marriage. It helps you with any relationship to know why we're doing something together when we have a purpose that's bigger than ourselves. All
0: right. Number three. Number three. All right. Uh, be forever a student of love. Be forever a student of love. So when we opened the series, we talked about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love is patient, love is kind. So I've learned over the years to constantly relearn love, to relearn how to express love. See, Jamie and I are forever changing. Um, You know, people say all the time, that's not the man I married. You know, the man you married, yeah. He was an idiot he didn 't have any he had he had a truck note that 's all he had in his life that 's the bolt of, of his responsibility and he was a lot skinnier and now here he is with all this pressure of a house note and insurances and all these he has changed she has changed we 've been through some things together and trying to love her with an old love that I used to love her with doesn 't fit with where she 's at now so we have to constantly be students of love constantly relearning re educating ourselves and so we, year, you know, throughout the years, we've studied, like, like, the five love languages. And when we started, your love language was uh, acts of service. She didn't care about anything else, just acts of service. Build me something, do something, help me clean the house. Well, that was acts of service. A couple years into it, all of a sudden, it was affection. And, and, um, and, and I was like, well, wait a minute. Or touch, physical touch. And I was like, okay, well, I thought it was acts She goes, it's that too. It's both of them. Now, at this stage, 30 years, she's like, I want all of them. I want gifts. <laughs> I want... I was like, wow, and so I'm forever a student of love, <laughs> figuring out how to love this beautiful creature that God's entrusted me with, and the DNA of relationships, that's been one of our favorite resources that we've studied, anything to say about student love forever, anything you want to add, okay. alright, let's move on to number four,
1: number four, annihilate criticism,
0: in the name of Jesus,
1: not tolerate, not placate, not put up with, not feed, Annihilate, not
0: justify,
1: not justify um, recently. And, and please forgive me if you love snakes in here. Sorry, I wake them Sorry, Katie. Any non venomous snake is welcome on my our property. But if you're venomous, I need you to find somewhere else to live. Right. And so uh, we were walk. we were on the trail back in the spring last year. And as we came around the corner sitting on the trail was a six foot rattlesnake. And the one thing I'm learning about rattlesnakes, they think they own my house. They haven't learned it's our property, it's not theirs, right? So we don't tolerate rattlesnakes in our house, and our yard, and things like that, right? Sorry, Katie. We annihilate rattlesnakes that come. Others, that's fine. But criticism is deadly. It's poisonous. I get it. You're like, you don't understand. I'm an analytical person. I'm an eight. I'm a one. I'm a C. All those kind of things. no. If you have become a habitual critic, then I warn you, I caution you, that you are slowly but surely killing the people that you love around them. When I am critical of myself, of my world, of my kids, of my husband, of my home, of my job, I am slowly killing the things that I love so very much. Someone once said, speak evil of only those things you wish to die if you thought that that criticism if you we if the lord really helped us understand how much we're doing when we're critical of our spouse then i think we would pull so far back we would be so much more cautious before we speak those things that don't have to be spoken amen Amen. so many times we um we we don't understand something and because we don't understand it then we criticize yeah, it. Yeah, we judge it. And we judge it. But Corinthians 4 says, Judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of men's heart. It always, I always am disappointed in myself when I think I know why someone does something. Because the reality is I don't know. Only God knows someone's heart. But many times if someone comes, you know, if PA comes home late, I'm like, oh, he didn't care that I cooked dinner? well, maybe there's traffic, maybe there's a lot going on, but when I criticize decisions that he makes, when I criticize decisions of those around me, I'm actually killing our marriage. I'm hurting and I'm harming our marriage. So it's so very important that we speak life, that's what we talk about all the time around here, but that we speak life. It fascinates me that we give children room to grow. Right. We give children room to make mistakes, right? When your kids first tie their shoes, they don't do it right. And we're like, yay, you tried. Good effort. Good effort trying to pour that milk and spilling it everywhere. At what age do we cease to give people praise and credit for effort? Because all of a sudden, somehow, when they become our spouse, effort doesn't count. We're if It's supposed not, to be perfect now. Right. Yeah. If it's not perfect, it's not good enough. Hmm. Right? The Lord rebuke us all and say, Lord, show us where we're not giving people room to grow and room to journey. You know, somebody, your spouse comes home and says, hey, you know, PA found a cool movie for us to watch yesterday. And I was like, why? What is the point? Are you trying to tell me something with this movie? Is there a hidden agenda in the movie? Right? No, he just found a fun movie. But if I go, if I assume first the worst then I'm killing a moment, I'm killing an opportunity that we could have together, amen?
0: Yeah, amen, I mean, uh, save the marriage. Stop criticizing each other. Build a marriage by speaking life. It brings us to number five, you ready? Number five, write this down, and that is commit to healthy intimacy. Commit to healthy intimacy. Um, I did this uh, survey recently, and I found uh, that couples that have intimate relationship, Sex. Uh, five times a week. Five times a week. A couple things have proven to happen. Um, they're smarter. They're healthier. They hear God's voice better. They become richer. They, um, they grow taller and they get abs.
1: Who, who did you survey?
0: Myself. <laughs> okay, I, didn't, I made that up. I don't know if that happens or not. But it might. I don't know. There's things some, some we should consider. I think anyway, I just want to point that out. <clears throat> I had such a revelation right before we got married. I, I had grown up not as a believer, and so my concept of intimacy was skewed by the pornography that I had viewed. And those those images and those and those videos and all, that's what I thought would make a great intimate relationship or what it's supposed to look like. And we came across this old book from back in the day, back from the 80s, um, called The Act of Marriage. And as I, as I, thank God, our counselor didn't give it to us before, you know, like two weeks before the marriage. He's like, don't read this until just a couple weeks before you get married. And so I read the whole, it's the only book I've read in, in, in eight hours. I mean, it was amazing. <laughs> uh, one day, crushed it. And, uh, but one of the things that it really taught was the goal in intimacy is less about you getting your pleasure and more about being there to pleasure if you will and show goodness to your spouse and if both of us are fighting hate to use that term but acting um or trying to um show love and pleasure to the other one and that's the goal and whether we get pleasure not is not the goal when that when that becomes thrown out and I just want you so then all of a sudden now intimacy changes from the act to it may be just cuddling it may be whatever she needs to feel loved and, uh, and intimacy, it, the beauty about intimacy is it's the only thing that God has given to a couple that they can't do with anyone else. That's the beauty of why it's so sacred in Scripture. That's the reason why we have such a demonic attack over the last, you know, 50 years in the United States to destroy it, to make it nothing more than a sex act opposed to what it was supposed to be, and in that's intimacy. And with the you. coming
1: recession, it's actually very low cost, too. Can I just say? That's hilarious. So, you know.
0: So the New York Post uh, this month actually uh, uh, posted this: People with strong religious beliefs have higher levels of sexual satisfaction, according to a new study done by the Journal of Sex. Also, another recent study showed by the Wheaton uh, Wheatley Institute that uh, highly religious couples who are who have share a common faith report more satisfying sexual relationship than, this, than their secular peers. The findings actually complement a study that was done a couple years back by Stephen Cranny, published um, in the reviews of religious research which found that married religious couples also have more frequent and better sex. And why? It's because it's in the confines of not just their relationship with each other as a married couple. Uh, but also before the lord almighty and as a result it's guiltless come on somebody as a result it actually makes us healthier mentally um, emotionally relationally and so that's why the beauty so so the truth of the matter is is that lost people are not having or unchurched people people who don't serve god are having less sex and not as Good sex because of their selfish ambition that's connected to all of it. So anyway, uh, not to embarrass you anymore, but there's a QR code. Put that same QR code up. I found an article that if you that you may want to go through it's by Focus on the Family, people that I super trust. And they did an article, Five Things That Experts Wish um, You Knew um, About <clears throat> a Healthy Sex in Marriage Life. And so great article, really strengthened. Again, forever a student of love. Cultivating intimacy and um, and making sure that we don't um, that we don't withhold from one another because it's real critical in the marriage if you want a healthy marriage. And this is some of the healthy habits that people get out of, and because they get offended, so they withhold from each other, that kind of thing. And it's the very gift that God gave so that your marriage could be strong and impenetrable by all the wicked things of the earth. Did you want to add to it? It's
1: even in the Bible. We see that David went to his wife Bathsheba after a period of mourning. God created an intimacy in marriage to bond in times of celebration, in times of mourning, in times just for that connection. Biologically, hormonally, physiologically, yeah. um, it's it's fascinating to see. And I find it interesting, you know, if um, my if our if your spouse needs food because it's because they're hungry, you make them dinner. And I've never shamed. PA for being hungry and saying I can't believe you how dare you need dinner that's just disgusting that you need dinner right if, if I need someone to bring the trash in if I need a sense of safety in my life all those things he's never shamed me for having needs why when it's when God created us to have needs that our spouse can fulfill why would that be a shameful thing Maybe you came from a background where that was considered shameful. But I just want to encourage you that God created you for your spouse and your spouse for you. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing.
0: And you are a sexy mama. Well, All right, you, let's baby. go, number six. Number
1: six, daily cultivate trust. Daily cultivate trust. Trust creates an environment of safety. And when we feel safe, we can flourish. So it's important that we create environments of safety and trust for our spouse that may be different depending on their past experiences Uh, maybe your spouse had a home where when there was any conflict someone left someone stormed out and you didn't know if they were coming back Well then when there's conflict between the two of you, if you tend to be a person who wants to leave, then you're feeding the narrative that breaks trust. You're you're breaking that trust. It's important to understand your spouse and maybe what would have created a sense of, of to lose trust in that moment. For us, because we're always heading a million different directions and doing all kinds of things, we're always working to build trust together. For our whole lives, we've worked with other people and so for many of those years, Pastor Adam has gotten to travel all over the world. He's worked with phenomenal, brilliant people everywhere. But I've always had trust that he was where he said he was, that he wasn't somewhere else, and that he was with he said he, who he said he was with. But he's always worked to build that. He's always, you know, he'll, we'll, we'll tell jokes that he would go to get picked up from a speaking engagement, and if there was a young lady there to pick him up, he wouldn't get in the car with him. And they'd be like, we're just heading right over here. He'd go, that's fine. We'll wait till you find somebody to come get us or ride with us. Or we learned ahead of time to make sure the church knew that we weren't going to be picked up by just a single person, just one person of the opposite sex. Well, when though, when we practiced those things, built those habits, it built trust between the two of us. We know we're, we have location services turned on, yeah, right?
0: I was just going to say, too, being in ministry, that every time some pastor cheated on his wife, or every time some pastor ran off or minister ran off with the secretary, I recognize that that was going to literally affect my wife. As she's reading about that, or someone's telling her about that, or someone in counseling is telling about what they went through as their spouse cheated on them, and, uh, and I recognize that those pieces are chipping away at, well, will he do this to me? And so I had to build trust, even though I, I, didn't, I didn't do anything wrong. But I had to constantly be building it because the enemy was tr- constantly trying to destroy it. And so if there was unfaithfulness in your marriage back in the day, if there was something broken uh, that, that, that you came from, then you need your spouse, you need to understand, he went through that. His girlfriend did that to him. And so I'm, I, have to, I own that I married all of you. I I'm owned that I married every bit of what you went through and as a result I have to do more to build trust and so to Miss Jamie's point one of the things that we did was we downloaded an app it's called Life 360 it's free and at any moment in the day she can pull up that app and see where I'm at And then I do other things like just the other day, um, my assistant, uh, her and I and Miss Jamie and her um, boyfriend were gonna go to lunch. And so Miss Jamie was running late to get to the building. Her boyfriend was across the campus um, at Christ for the Nations uh, where I also minister at and teach at. And so we were walking out and I thought she was gonna get in her car. And I was like, hey, where's where's, where's he at? And he wasn't there. Well, he's coming right around the corner and all of a sudden it started raining. I was like, whoa, we got to get out of the rain. So I said, jump in the back seat. And as she jumps in the back seat, I call Miss Jamie and I said, hey, babe, I got Katie here. Hey, Miss Jamie. We're driving to Matthew. We're driving right now. We're, dri- we're driving. Hey, there's Matthew. Matthew gets in the car. Everything's good. I'm not in a car by myself with a lady. You're here too with the, with the, with the, uh, on phone. And she's like, okay, all right, Matthew's here. Okay, we'll meet you there at the restaurant. All of that effort to build trust. That's All that for trust. Why? Because if she doesn't trust me, then I'm not going to trust her. And then we are killing the entity called marriage. I love her with all my heart. She loves me with all of her heart. But marriage, as many people have statistically proven, we don't like marriage. Why? Because we haven't built it right. Right? If you've ever lived in a house that you didn't like, then our point is let's build it right. We can build it right. We can fix some things. We can go change out that toilet. We can remodel, we can do some habits better, so. And the
1: Holy Spirit will speak to you, right? It's not out of fear. I don't get, I'll I'll text him and I'm like, you know, household seven looking at Tangle Ridge right now right? And he's not like, why are you checking up on me? No, I'm just staying a part of his life. But he always lets me know. I'll let him know you went to Chipotle without me. I really don't appreciate that. (laughs) You should have brought me food, right? But it it continues to build each, we continue to build each other wherever we are. Not because we're fearful, but we're continually adding to that bank account. The Lord may speak to you that there's things and habits that you have right now. Um, He doesn't, we don't giggle on the phone with someone that we work with. It's just simple Not engage. I don't. We don't text emojis. We don't text late at night to other people. We're we're never alone with the opposite sex. We don't run in the
0: back room to have phone conversations that our spouse can't hear. We have
1: together bank accounts. We have the same bank accounts. So, and that may be an area of trust that you need to discuss as a family and and things like that. You know all
0: my passwords. I know all your passwords. Mm -hmm. I don't have any, uh, you know, extra uh, um, accounts on Facebook that she doesn't know about. Um, Years ago, we had someone, uh, you know, back in my day, back before Jamie and I were together, and then once we were married, someone that was a friend of mine... It was
1: an ex-girlfriend. It's okay to say that right now. (laughs)
0: And they reached out to, to us on, on Facebook and said, reached out to me on Facebook and said, hey, how you doing? You know, I recently went through a divorce and a bunch of us are getting together, wanted to know if you wanted to, you know, get together. And Jamie responded. And I was so
1: happy to answer her that it was great to hear from her and I would be sure to pass along that message.
0: And I found Thanks out a month later. So here we go. All right.
1: Trust takes years to build, seconds to break, and a lifetime to rebuild. Amen?
0: Amen All right, number seven, write this one down. And that is, you need to learn to maintain God's order. Sounds so simple, hear everybody talk about it, but boy, I don't see too many people modeling it real well. There's a clear order in the things of God, and there's a clear order for your family, for your unit. Let me just give it to you. Number one, first and foremost is God. He is the center of my life, He is the key to everything, He is the most valuable piece of my life. Next order of importance in your life is your spouse. Everybody say amen. Amen. Next order of importance is your children. Everybody say amen. Amen. And the next one is everybody else. Alright, now here's what happens. I watch marriages literally come under attack because an individual, so you've got the one individual, there's always a more outgoing and a less outgoing typically in a marriage. And so unfortunately, we both are extroverts. And so, so, so if we're not careful, we will put, you know, you know how your extrovert husband or extrovert wife is, everybody's their best friend. And so your introvert self, y'all plan dinner, but you go out to dinner, and they meet someone, and now their best friend's having a conversation with them for two hours, and you're like, this was supposed to be our dinner time, and you're over here making new friends and changing, exchanging phone numbers and talking about how you're going to get the kids together on a play date. This could be an axe murder. Like, what are you doing? And so we, we watch these things engage. But here's another piece that I see a lot in the church that's hurting marriages, and that is we get that number three ahead of both one and two. And all of a sudden we make them little gods. And I'm going to teach you here in a couple weeks about they not little gods and, uh, and they need to put, be in their rightful position in the right order. And first and foremost is my relationship with Jesus. It comes first. Her relationship with Jesus comes first. When we went to get married, I looked at her and I said, an old Keith Green quote, I said, I'd rather be found dead than to love you more than the one who loves who saved my soul. And she looked at me and said, I would rather be found dead. Than to love you more than one so he is the love of our life see if I'm loving him then he's rebuking me about how I'm dealing with her wrong right if I'm in love with him if I got Jesus first and he's first and I tell all the time you know hey listen I need to go be with the Lord for a little bit she's like okay absolutely because I know he'll tighten you up okay and then this is next and I I told my kids there was a moment when one of our kids wasn't acting real well uh, early on and I looked at him I said I will make another one of you your mama is with me forever okay And so if you ever talk to her like that again, I will, I will remove you from the planet and I will make another one of you. I'm just telling you right now, don't ever treat your mama like that. I love her more than I love you. You just need to know where you fall on the pecking order. You just need, and I love Jesus more than I love her.
1: Spiritually speaking, our covenant is first and foremost with our God and our savior. That's right. Right? It's who we will give an account to. My second covenant is to my spouse. That's a covenant. That's a serious relationship. It's a serious commitment that we made. And so we must honor our covenants in how we honor our spouse, how we honor the Lord. Amen?
0: And so I would teach you, if you say, that may be out of order in our lives, then what I would teach you to do is sit down and reorganize it. Just reorganize it. And you sit the kids down and say, we love you, but it's gotten out a little bit out of order. You walk in the room and you think you demand something. Mama's first. And once Mama's taken care of, then we'll take care of you, just so you know. Daddy's first. Once he gets taken, God first, then Daddy, and then you. Just need to know when you walk in, the, in the, when you come home from school. This is how it's going to be. This is how we live. And then everybody else. And I've watched again. This is where pastors. People always ask us, how do you keep your family life separate from your ministry life? And like we don't, because we live in proper order. Because we have proper order. There are times where I, if the, the church could be burning down and you can't get a hold of us, because we're on our Sabbath together with the Lord. And so, and we have proper order we don't just let you burn up our phones and we need you right now. Actually, I'm with Miss Jamie and we're on date night. And so whatever you need, you got to call somebody else because this, this is first. It's more, it's, it's, it's a priority and we put that in proper order. Are you with me? Say yes. Okay. Let's move on to the next one. Number
1: eight, choose what you're gonna cheat. Not very good English there, but choose what you're gonna cheat. As we just talk about proper order, it's so important that we also realize that you can't, regardless of what society may tell you, be it all, have it all, do it all. Definitely not all at the same time. You're gonna have to make choices of priorities and what you wanna do. Number one, it goes back to that order. Number one priority, is the Lord and our in our relationship with Him and our spouse, but but you we seem to think that we can do it all all day long and we wear ourselves out and then what we didn't get done we beat ourselves up because we didn't get it done, and so then we're it, what we don't physically try to overdo we mentally overdo because we're constantly comparing judging ourselves and then never measuring up to some magical, impossible uh, thing that's been set out there. And so it's so important that we take a step back and say, I'm just not going to be good at that. I'm going to be really good at this. That's just going to have to fall by the wayside, and it's just going to have to be. Or
0: be average at it, right? The, the title actually comes from a book by Pastor Andy Stanley. I know recently there's been some confusion on some of his position on things. But at the end of the day, he wrote this book like 20 years ago, and it rocked my world because for the first time I realized wait a minute I don't have to be great at everything and I'm gonna choose what I'm gonna be really really good at and also choose what I'm not gonna be good at so Jamie and I in the last year we've had some things come our way um, both um, as uh, other streams of income and also some ministries come our way and so as a result we put a lot of effort and attention on that and so we made a choice we're gonna do that and uh, and not get in the gym very much and so so made the choice own the choice You you know what I'm saying? Like I just own it. Like it's okay that I'm not that great at this because I've chose this. Does that that make sense everybody? So as you make the choice and you just tell tell your children, tell your, hey, we're choosing this. And uh, and if you're going to choose Jesus and come to church on Sundays, you're not going to be as good at golf as you could have been. Bottom line, you're not going to have the tan being out on the boat every weekend as you because you committed to to being sure that you're in the house of the Lord learning growing and ministering to others so
1: sometimes too it's making a choice to live at a different lifestyle because you're choosing to come home or choosing to not work seven days a week it's a tough call because it literally affects then your choices of what you want to do we um, we last year two years ago when we bought a house we told the kids it's called staycation now we're not going on vacation because we chose to buy a house right but we sat down with them and we explained we're not doing both there's you just need to Disney's gonna be a channel for a while not a destination (laughs) right because but guess what we get to you know we get to go outside we get to be together and they were like "Mm mm-hmm yeah we're not buying it but but we explained to them it's not both we're not gonna get in debt over our heads, because we're trying to do all the things that we see everyone do.
0: That's right. Brings me number nine. You still with me? Say yes. Yes. All right, write this one down, and that is embrace the season. Ooh, so much wisdom in that. Philippians 4.12, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Embrace the season. You may be in a season right now where money's real tight. Embrace it. Stop being so... Find something good in the middle of that season. Embrace it. So, you know, we don't have a lot of money, but we're going to take every bit of what what we do have, and we're going to make little things for Christmas. We're going to give everybody cookies for Christmas. We're not going to buy them all stuff because we don't have a lot of money. We're going to be creative. We're going to enjoy and embrace the season. And seasons change. Amen? Seasons change. We got four of them in the natural world, and they're beautiful, and it's, it's so funny because some of you guys in August, you were like, oh my God, it's so hot. I hate Texas. I wish it would get cold here, and now here we are in February, and you're like, oh my God, it's so cold. I, wish, I can't wait for the summertime. Oh my God, and that's a bad habit that we get into, okay, and we do that in our marriage, and we're like, I just can't wait till we don't have kids at home. Embrace the scene you got kids at home. All the empty nesters will tell you, I, I miss the kids. I miss the kids. Some of you are, are single and you're like, I hate I say, I just want to be married, Lord. And I'm telling you right now, embrace the season. <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Some of you are newly wedged. You're like, this, I just want a child. I just want a baby. We just want a baby. It'll make us feel complete. No, 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 no. Embrace the season enjoy this, enjoy it, find goodness in it, find God in it, because otherwise you're constantly trying to get to the other side, get to the other side, and you pass about all the beauty that God has put in those seasons, the things to learn, the things to grow in, the things to experience and establish who you are in God. Embrace the season. Would you add to that? Is there anything Absolutely.
1: Would- I was thinking when we first got married, we did the envelope system. Anybody remember the envelope <laughs> system? Yes. Our budget for groceries was $100 a month. And I'm so proud of our Kool-Aid packages and everything that we, yes, I mean, sir. it was a fun season. I love that we had a hand-me-down couch because you couldn't do anything bad to it. It didn't matter what got spilled. We didn't care.
0: People would ask us out to eat and we're like, who's paying? It was
1: so great. Yeah, no, you didn't we're go not. out to, you know, 99 cent cheeseburger at McDonald's was the greatest thing ever. We didn't know we weren't supposed to eat it. It was a blast. We were delightfully ignorant of, of McDonald's, right? Yeah. But it was such a fun season that we were in. And so I, I, I stop young moms all the time. And I'm like, it's just a season. You can make this. Because I tell you what, it wore me out. They, the kids would last longer than I would in a day, and I was exhausted. And, yeah. then, and, and so now it's, it's just so important that we embrace those seasons. As we get older, there's no greater gift that we can give a younger generation than to be comfortable in our season. Yeah. Because what they see in society is a discomfort with aging. Right. There's nothing we can do better than be comfortable yeah. in our double-digit genes. Come on, ladies right if we can learn that moment and that place we can create a a a a safety for a generation and an acceptance amen
0: amen number 10 write it down you ready real deep here we go pray you don't understand it truly is the foundation of every great marriage it really is every especially every great obviously christian marriage but pray pray together Pray next to each other, pray around each other, pray for each other, pray with each other, pray, 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 pray. Why? Because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. You say, "Ah, I just don't feel like it works. That's because you're not consistent. In fact, let me take you to Luke chapter 11, verse 8. Jesus is teaching on how to pray. He is just... It was in our it was in our, our reading this this month um, about you know they come to him and say would you teach us to pray like John the, John's teaching his guys to pray he says sure and he teaches them our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name as a as a just kind of as a as a as an outline and then he goes further into that and he says and and I think I told you this a couple weeks ago uh, he says he, he says now look when you when you go before the Father he goes be like the guy. Who has a friend come late at night to the house? A get out-of-town guest stops in and is, and is in need. So he goes next door to borrow food from the neighbor, but the neighbor's already in bed, doors locked, doesn't want to wake up. But he keeps banging and banging. He says, and I tell you, that friend will not get up and give you what you need because he loves you or because he even cares, but because you are persistent and audacious. And literally, Jesus says, this is literally how we should pray. Luke eleven eight 8 says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for his friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And that's then when he continues on and says, therefore, knock and the door will be open. Seek and you will find. And so, when it comes to a marriage, especially pray, so, so we don't really do well praying together. We'll pray away from each other in the same room. Pray, just keep keep going at it. Keep finding different ways to incorporate it. I, you know, all throughout the day, I pray for Jamie. All through, I'll stop in the middle of my day where she's somewhere else and not even where I'm at, and i just start praying for her. I pray over the things that she desires, the things she needs, the dreams in her heart. I pray over the things that she's frustrated with. I pray over us. I pray over our family. I am constantly bringing it before the Lord. And you say, well, yeah, you get paid to do that. Oh, hold up, I'll knock you out. I do not. I am just like you. I put on my britches just like you. one leg at a time and I'm frustrated just like you are about things that aren't moving and and like I thought they would and so I have found the miracle goodness of God when I pray and I seek his face he responds and some of you haven't truly prayed together or prayed over your marriage in a long long time and I'm telling you it's a habit that you got to get reinstituted Mimi and Pop right now are over in Mansfield and what they're testifying about is every night before they go to bed Pop will come and lay his hands on Mimi and say a little prayer over every day. Has done that for years, and 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 literally hasn't missed it uh, once. Just pray for her. and every morning when she wakes up, he's got coffee for her. He's a better man than me. I'm and gonna And you tell know you what? Right I love
1: now. that she says it's not even what he says. I need to hear his voice talking to Jesus. So don't be intimidated, sir, ma'am, to just let your spouse hear your voice talking to your Lord. That's what she said. It's not even what he says. It's that I hear his voice talking to Jesus. How beautiful is that? Our kids need to hear us talking to Jesus. Amen? Amen. Not talking about it because they're listening to everything we say. They need to hear us talking to the one who provides the answer. Amen?
0: Amen. Would you stand with us all across the room quickly? Set all your stuff down. (laughs) Again, we're talking about healthy habits for Christian marriage. These are all biblically based. Even though we didn't necessarily give you references for each one, and here's what I want you to do: whether you're single, whether you're divorced, whether you're empty-nest, whether you're uh, married for a hundred years or been married for you know a hundred days, here's what I want you to do: I want you to just grab. If you're with your partner just, or your spouse, just go ahead and grab their hand. If you're a single person, um, then I want your hand kind of just lifted before the Lord to say, "Lord, I'm prepping for the, my marriage to come." And here's what I want us to do: we I think we all. I know, even as we've been preparing this week, I was like, "Lord, I'm not so good at that anymore. I need to do. I need to strengthen that." And it was a, it was a reminder of good habits versus bad habits, and the destructive behavior of bad habits. And so, if any of this grabs your heart, it's like, "Oh, that's something." that I can work on and here's what I want you to do in this holy moment as we go before the Lord I want you to say Lord would you help me with this would you help me develop this habit I don't I never saw that modeled Lord my parents didn't model that or I I don't you know we started into that in marriage and we've gotten away from it just got some bad habits and I just want you before your God to ask for his help can we do that right now go before the Lord together father I just thank you that you love us and Lord I have been crying out for the last seven years that the marriages of Hill City Well, God, that our marriages would be the strongest and the healthiest and the most vibrant. That our people, Lord God, would love one another in their marriage relationship. That our single folks would find the one that would stand with them and protect them and, 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 and that they could trust and that they could do longevity of life with, Lord God. That, Lord, those that are single dads and single moms, Lord God, would, would have an opportunity, Lord God, to find love again and have support and strength, Lord God. For those, Lord God, who are even um, at that space, Lord God, where, look, we've been together so long, it's just almost like all love is dead. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you're really reviving love again, reviving love. Even as we change the habits, our hearts will be revived. And so, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for just an even an ounce of desire in each and everyone, just a little bit of faith. Your word says, just a mustard seed of faith literally you can move mountains, you can say to mountains be thou removed, so I just speak faith into our people, for those that have been looking at a marriage saying, I don't know if I want to do this anymore, I don't know, I love them, but I just don't love this marriage, I don't like this whole thing, and as a result I don't even like them anymore, Lord, I just thank you that you're bringing hope to their heart again Lord, your word tells us that love love is patient, love is kind, it always hopes, and so Lord, I just pray for a fresh hope for those that Lord have felt like they were on this on this, on this edge, and, and not knowing it if they could stay together. Father, I just thank you right now for life and life more abundantly. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, I thank you that, Lord God, that you have gently corrected and maybe even rebuked, rebuked us today on some of these bad habits that are literally harming the marriage. Lord God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that a threefold cord is not easily broken, that you in the middle of this marriage, Lord God, keeps it all together. And Father, where there's been bad order, Lord God, things have gotten out of order, that we bring it, that we literally sit down today after services over lunch or later this afternoon, Lord God, or in the evening time and put things back in order and start establishing some some healthy habits. And Lord, I just thank you right now that none will be lost in the name of Jesus that all of our marriages will be vibrant and healthy, that all of our single people Lord God will be content, Lord God waiting, Lord God, for that moment Lord Jesus, where you bring that one into their life, Lord Jesus, and they will be ready and have been matured and maturing their spouses, Lord God, even though they're not even together yet, don't even know them but mature them even now as well may they be in good churches and with healthy pastors, Lord God, that are teaching them the word properly, Lord, in the name of Jesus may you come to them in the night and speak confidence and love in every one of these marriages, Lord God, and Father I rebuke the devourer in the mighty name of Jesus, and I say strength to each and every one of you, now would you just keep your head bowed for a moment, you can let go of the hand of the person that you were maybe holding their hand, and I just want to give a call for anyone who may be away from the Lord maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you would say it like this, Pastor, if I died today I don't think I'd go to heaven I've been there, that is a miserable place to be in, but I've got such good news, you don't have to leave this place like that The Bible says if you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You don't have to live separated from the Lord. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. No, but He does. And He still welcomes you to Himself. Oh, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know the shame that has been been propagated against me. I, I don't. And I don't know who hurt you or did you dirty, but I know the one. Who will forgive you and cleanse you and make you his own and so today with every head bowed and every eye closed i want you to consider is it time am i ready am i ready to repent am i ready to ask jesus to be my lord and savior am i ready to confess him as lord and if you get to the conclusion that you are then here's what i'm going to do here in just a second i'm going to get you to lift your hand so i know who i'm praying with because i want to lead you in a prayer of repentance a prayer of dedicating your life to the Lord, confessing Him as your Lord and Savior, asking Him to forgive you of your sins, and the Bible says He's faithful and just and will forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one's looking around, cameras are not zooming in, this is deep, this is private, this is eternal. If you are at a place where you're away from God, or you've never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're ready to repent and ask Him to be the Lord of your life. With no one looking around, if that's you, would you lift your hand so I know how to pray for you? I want to pray for you and, and lead you in a prayer. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Pray for me, Pastor. It's time. I'm ready. I want to get right with the Lord. God bless you. I want to pray. I want to ask him to forgive me. God bless you. Anyone else? Okay, thank you guys for your honesty. I want the Lord to know that I'm, I'm repenting. I want him to be the Lord of my life. Anyone else? I want to repent of my sins. I want to ask him to forgive me. Amen. Many hands. You can put your hands down. Now I'm going to lead you in that prayer of repentance that prayer of confessing Him as Lord. And I'm asking you here in these next few moments to mean this prayer from the depths of your heart. I'm gonna have you repeat the prayer that I'm gonna pray out. And I don't think there's anything magical about the words, I think what's supernatural is that God has been pulling on you and moving you into position to receive Him. And you're responding now. And so I'm gonna ask everyone in the audience to pray out loud alongside of you. Are you ready? Let's pray it like this, say, Jesus. Come on, we can do better than that. Jesus. Today, I admit that I'm a sinner and I recognize that I've sinned against you. But here and now, I ask you to forgive me, to wash me clean, to make me new. I give my whole life to you, Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for writing my name in your book of life. Fill me now with your Holy Spirit. I promise to serve you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Would you keep your head bowed for just a moment? Father, I pray right now that men and women who lifted their hand, who repeated that prayer, who called out to you, I pray right now they would feel peace, peace. They're not fighting against you anymore. They're not running away from you anymore. They surrendered. You've called up to them and now instead of beating on them putting them in some kind of prison you're embracing them like a loving father and you're looking deep into their soul you're saying I love you you're a new creature now you're a new person I'm making you new and God I pray that from that would come such joy <laughs> the Bible calls it the joy of our salvation that you didn't cast us out that you didn't kick us away that you received us in our repentance and now you made us joint heirs with Jesus Christ So I thank you for that. And Lord, I bless your people. And I thank you for your goodness. And may we serve you all together all the days of our lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Hey, can we applaud? Thank you, Ms. Jamie. Thank you for joining us online here at Hill City. We're so honored that you would take the time to join us remotely and to celebrate the goodness of Jesus. I hope that word spoke to you. I hope that you were blessed today. And I hope that you are encouraged to go forth in the confidence of Jesus this week, wherever you are. If you made a decision today uh, to serve Jesus for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. Would you text DECIDED to 469-606-2684? And uh, we want to respond. And again, just connect with you and celebrate the beginning of an amazing discipleship journey. With Jesus don't forget next week. We are here again same place same time nine o'clock and 11 and until then we hope you have an amazing week